Good morning, everyone. It is uh, great to be with all of you today as we get to worship together and participate in this season of Advent. I'm so encouraged that I've been given the privilege to speak about the topic of peace. And today, we don't want to just talk about any type of peace because there are many forms of peace out there in the world. First of all, I'm sure many of you have thought of the world peace, meaning that we want all nations to get along and to work together and help each other out. And the piece that I'm going to be talking about today has some familiarity with that, but actually that's not the one that's actually biblical. And I'll talk more and expand about that in a little bit. Some want peace where they just want tranquility. I'm sure you've heard of that or you've prayed about that. God, give me a tranquil spirit. And I think that's actually incredible. However, this piece that I'm going to address today biblically doesn't address that one either because many times people who want that tranquil peace, they just don't want to be bothered, right? And I've been in those shoes. I just don't want no one to infiltrate my space. Uh, I, I don't want people to chat and, you know, uh, hurt me or, you know, criticize me or be able to point things out at me. So sometimes I try to create space between me and, and either that party, those individuals, and I don't want to hear that criticism. And I think that's being peaceful, but that's actually not biblical. And again, there's many ideas of what peace should be. Some people believe that as long as you don't say anything negative about your neighbor, that that's peace. But biblically, we have an actual higher calling than that because that's not necessarily the peace that the Bible is referring to. And I'm so encouraged that right now you just saw the video on a Bible Project uh, actually pointing out how what is true peace and how in the Old Testament it was called Shalom and in the New Testament it's called Irene. And so let's get deep and let's dig in the Bible to find out what is this true peace that God is calling us to. Amen. Let's begin in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible reads, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, obviously, we all know that this scripture is referring to Jesus, referring to his birth, giving us hope about expecting a savior that would come from heaven to liberate us, to liberate us from spiritual bondage. And last week, Steve Stevenson did a phenomenal job addressing that hope, that incredible expectation and how hope is a choice. It's not something that we're just wishing for or that it just suddenly happens. It's actually that deep conviction that we expect great things from God because he's given us his amazing son, Jesus Christ. Now, I hope that we have made the choice this week to be hopeful, to live as Jesus did so that we can experience those amazing victories through God. And so today we get to address peace, which when I first thought about that topic, I got to be honest with you. I thought... When I heard the word peace, uh, it's not a topic necessarily that I'm excited about. You know, it's not about evangelism or it's not about, you know, something that necessarily inspires me. It's not a topic that I'm reading on books about. 
However, I was deeply convicted to know that peace is much bigger than what I think. And I believe when you read this scripture, it gives us so many insights. This passage alone gives us incredible insights on what true peace is. Right there at the very end, it talks about the Prince of Peace. And if we could park there for a second, you got to remember in those times of Isaiah, the people of God were basically slaves to the Babylonian Empire. They were servants of the Babylonian Empire. They had no rights. They were oppressed. And if someone came and told me, a prophet by the name of Isaiah came and told me, Pablo, you and your family, you and your loved ones, you and your church. Guess what? There's this amazing prophecy. God is going to bless. He's going to send a prince of peace. I would think for me, selfishly as I am at times, I would think, wow, so God is going to send us a new a royal person. <laughs> he would send us a new royal administration to be able to liberate us, to save me and my family. And when they heard Prince of Peace, I'm sure that they were thinking humans, humanistically, in the sense of, wow, an actual royal prince is going to save us. And not only is the word prince interesting, because I thought about it, why didn't it say a king? And obviously the king at that time, Nebuchadnezzar, was not the necessarily the most loved, beloved figure. King Nebuchadnezzar was, was ruthless at times with God's people. And his army and his people would oppress the Jewish people. And when, when you heard of a king, people would know, okay, we don't want this guy right here. And they made it all about man instead of thinking about spiritual things. And so when you hear the word prince, you think of future generations, right? You think of, wow, someone young and up and coming and taking over for generations to come and to help and appoint and do great things. And so when they heard Prince of Peace, I'm sure that they were very encouraged. Wow, there's going to be this young warrior that's going to come somehow and be able to make a, an impact in the royal palace, in the royal administration, and hopefully save me. And I think many times we think the same way here in 2020. We think that somehow a guy is going to come, a woman is going to come into our lives and save us. Whether it is maybe something with your job. Hey, God, work with my boss. Work with my team here at work. Give me this raise or give me this uh, new title or give me this new career. We think that men or corporations are going to save us. Sometimes we think that, hey, maybe we're, we're, we're going through something with our health and we put a lot of emphasis on our, on our healthcare workers and we demand things from them. And I do think we obviously need to be safe and expect quality care. However, though, sometimes we, we take it to the head, if you will, and we get angry with people instead of taking it to God. And so we're disturbed in our hearts and we're not settled and we don't have that peace. And many people wanted this Prince of Peace, this man to come and liberate them. However, God had a different and more majestic and divine plan than that. The plan was not going to involve man, thanks to God. The, the plan was not going to involve any political or royal affiliation at that time. I believe it's not going to affect us 
He's not going to use the current royal people or administrations or political uh, uh, corp, uh, political groups to help us with any of that. What we have to do is we have to turn to the true prince, prince of peace, and that's Jesus Christ. And I hope that that excites you because many times we turn to other things instead of turning to Jesus. And as, as uh, we study this even further, I want you to think of the word peace, right? And the Old Testament obviously means shalom, things that are incomplete, being brought to complete. And it doesn't just mean that I just say nothing to my neighbor. As long as we don't have a war of words, then that's okay. No, shalom means to actually, you know, bless our neighbors, help our neighbors, be there for them, interact with them. And I want to ask you, brother and sister, today, if this week alone, have we interacted with our neighbors and have we been peaceful with them? Again, not avoiding them, you know, but actually loving them and engaging with them and making them feel valuable. That's what shalom means. Uh, if we go to the New Testament in the Greek, the word actually means in the word Greek, Irene, which has the similarity uh, name as Irene, which actually means something deeper than just loving each other and giving to each other. It actually means that it could get restored or be brought together or reconciled together. And that to me convicted me the most. Because sometimes I think as long as I'm not in a war with someone, then I have true peace. As long as I feel okay, then everything else is okay. And that's not true peace that God wants us uh, to live. He has a higher calling for us. And so with Irene, the interesting thing is that uh, many times when I looked it up in the Bible, it actually referred to relationships. So it didn't talk about world peace. It didn't just talk about uh, just being still and, and, and no one bothering you. What it talked about was reconciling ourselves to God that would bring us true peace. Or it would talk about how Jesus died for us, bringing us together, reconciling us and bring us together to God. And that was true peace. And that's interesting to me because many times I forget that peace involves relationships. Sometimes we just want a comfortable setting of peace. We want an environment of peace, right? You turn off your phone. You don't want to listen to the news anymore. You want to distance yourself maybe from social media. You want to distance yourself from toxic people. You want to set up these boundaries. However, if we keep doing that, all that we're going to find ourselves is living in a small box. And I don't think that's the way that God wants us to live. I think God designed us to be social, to connect, to go out there in the world and be super confident. And that if someone does bother us, that we can talk to them and address it with them and reconcile with them. And that's what our reigning means. To be able to join together with someone, reconcile or restore that relationship. And I want to ask you, have we done that lately? Have we been able to reconcile and restore our relationships with our neighbors, with our families, with our loved ones? And I can't think of a better season in the year than the Christmas season to do these types of things. And I have a picture for you right here because the word restore really grabbed my attention. You know, we 
in our current ministry, we have some individuals who are studying the Bible to get restored. And I know of some in different parts of our church that there's individuals who are studying the Bible to get restored. And I started thinking about things that get restored. And obviously, being a, a, a just a straight guy here, a guy, uh, I just thought about classic cars. And here's a picture of this uh, yellow Ford Mustang. And it's so cool. Uh, I just love uh, looking at old classic cars sometimes because my dad used to own one. And I would just revel in it, you know, just like, wow, like, you know, the machinery behind it, the motor, of course, the cool colors and always imagining myself in that. I remember as a young kid, I would have the little uh, car toys and just playing with them. And it was just such a thing that I guess a lot of boys do. I know some girls do that, too, but. Uh, as, as men, I know that that's something that we can, uh, a lot of us can associate with. And did you know that this car that you're seeing right now is actually a car that's been restored? This is not the same color. It's not the same paint. It's not the same uh, uh, format that it got out in over 50 years ago. It's a completely new car, but it's the same bones. And so some people may think, well, uh, how much would a car like this be worth now? In the 60s, this type of car would probably be worth two to $3,000, give or take. Now, this car could sell for $30,000, $40,000, $50,000, maybe even $60,000. That's an incredible exponential uh, um, pay and growth and value of the car. And you got to imagine... Why is it worth more now than then? Could it be inflation? I think that has something to do with it. But I think more than anything, it restored its classic value. You know, I didn't leave the sisters out and some brothers too, because I know some brothers like jewelry. But I have a picture here of some jewelry that you can see right there uh, for yourselves. And you see on the left side, the jewelry of this ring with these beautiful diamonds and crystals that was dirty and old and then it's been restored and now you can see the blue hue the nice silver the platinum all of that you can see all the details of it and that jewelry is now worth more than it was when it was first created and i hope this rings a bell because many times our souls we get dirty we get old we rust out we're we feel these things and we're not so much in peace and what God is saying is, you know what? I could take your soul and restore it so that you can shine bright, so that you can have an increased value. All of us are valuable in God's eyes. And he wants to use us powerfully to do incredible work for not just his people in the kingdom, but for all the world, all society. And I encourage us to consider those things that, wow, our worth is more it is worth more with God. It's more valuable if we go after his peace, his restoration, his reconciliation. You know, I looked up what the antonym of peace was, and I thought it was going to be war. And I'm sure that's what many people first think. The, the opposite of peace is war. However, I was very uh, convicted that actually when we hear the, the word peace, the antonym actually means to be disturbed it means to be uneasy it also means to be irritated agitated and i was thinking wow 
why is it that it had some of these emotions? Why did it have some of these characteristics instead of war? If you Google up antonym with peace, that's what you're going to find. You're going to find these words. Why is it that the antonym of peace is not just war, but it's all these descriptions of how sometimes we feel um, emotionally uneasy. And I think it's because it begins with that. You know, wars don't just start because someone says, hey, I want to go conquer that land or, hey, I don't like those people. It starts with emotions. All wars begin emotionally. And to me, I was surprised to find out that a lot of the antonyms of peace actually were these disturbed and negative emotions. And I'm not sure if you've been feeling these things lately, but if you have, I want to encourage you to reconsider Maybe you don't have the peace of Christ at this moment with God. That doesn't mean that you didn't have it before. I'm sure you did. It doesn't mean that you can't have it moving forward. But it just means that if we're feeling uneasy, if we're feeling easily irritable, if we're feeling easily agitated, if we're feeling easily disturbed, that we need to ask ourselves, do I have the peace of Christ ruling in my heart? You know, that idea of ruling, a lot of people don't like to think of themselves under the, the, the leadership of someone or the lordship of Jesus Christ. But when we submit ourselves to Jesus, he rules over us, mind, body, and soul. And when he rules over us, his leadership, his lordship, his peace rules in our hearts. However, it's not just by word of mouth that I say or declare that Jesus is my Lord. I have to live that way. I have to live to be humble. I have to live to love everyone, including my enemies people that I don't agree with. And I have to sit at the table and talk to them and have reconciliation talks, have those talks that restore a new friendship and make it fresh and vibrant. That's what God wants for us. And if we have that deep conviction to let Jesus be Lord of our lives and restore us, we won't have those negative emotions, usually. They'll come and go. But the beautiful thing is that we can sustain ourselves because we will have the ultimate peace of Christ, but we have to let the peace of Christ rule over our hearts, the Lordship. Amen. And I wanted to lastly show you a couple more things. Uh, there's a picture here of a bowl. And as you can tell, it's, uh, it's beautifully uh, artistic and it has flowers and there's this gold, uh, um, a beautiful, uh, just the artistic way of, uh, that the bowl has been glued together because it actually was broken. This bowl that I'm showing you right now has been broken. And the uh, there's a process in Japanese culture and art that brings these broken bowls, these broken pieces of art together. And this process is called kintsugi. And so kintsugi is a Japanese art of putting broken pottery pieces back together with gold built on the idea that in embracing flaws and imperfections, you can create an even stronger, more beautiful piece of art. And that is the vision of peace that God has for us. Can you believe that? That although we may be broken, shattered into many pieces, God can put us together and build us up together so that we can be even more valuable now than before. But the key is to embrace that brokenness. You know, sometimes we can't have peace by avoiding only negative. Sometimes we have to be broken. We have to allow ourselves to mourn and to grieve. 
and to feel those negative emotions and process them with someone who's healthy, uh, someone that can shepherd our hearts through the Bible to put us back together. Because I believe that gold trim, that gold glue is what's putting us together and that's actual faith in Christ. And Jesus is what puts us together. And just as this beautiful bowl is here, many of us, we, we, we were broken, but God has brought us together so that we can be this beautiful, valuable piece of art. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 18 and 20, the Bible reads, And he is the head, speaking of Jesus, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This peace is super miraculous. This peace is, is uh, unconquerable. It can never be destroyed if we have that true peace with Jesus Christ. We can forgive everyone. We can move forward with anything. And we can continue to draw closer with God if we have that true peace. To share with something you deeply in my heart and real quickly is that uh, I had a stepfather who uh, was violent, who was a drunkard, who hurt our family a lot. And he actually nearly killed my mom in one episode. And I remember I was so angry at him because he would hurt someone that I loved so much. I remember crying night after night and I went through a deep depression and this was in my teen years and I remember me and him got distant and I thought we had peace but this scripture called me higher many scriptures in the Bible called me to forgive him and I was not willing to I remember telling my disciples telling the people the shepherds in my life that are guiding me I am not going to forgive them and they would gently call me to the scriptures Pablo the Bible says if you don't forgive God won't forgive you. And I started thinking, wow, I'm kind of caught in a pickle. What do I do? But I remember surrendering myself to the Lordship of Christ. Jesus, you got me. No matter what my stepfather has done, I'll forgive him, forget about it, and move forward. And you know what surprised me the most? My stepfather went to jail to pay for his sins. And I stayed in the church. But as I was feeling guilty and going through that, God helped me change and finally move forward and and to grow in my maturity and my humility with Christ. And my dad, unbeknownst to me, became a minister in prison. He ended up converting many people to Christ. And he now leads a church in prison of about 300 inmates. And when I visited him, I was blown away because he had made such a great impact as he repented in his walk with, with Christ. And for me, we were able to now bond. And now we, for many years now, I would say at least seven years, we've been talking at least once a week. That's our goal, to talk every week on a brief call when he calls me from jail. And I was able to forgive and forget because of the peace of Christ. And so I want to encourage you, brother and sister, there's someone or something that's helping you feel uneasy or irritable and you don't feel at peace with God to trust in him have the Lordship of Christ to obey His Scripture so that you can live like Christ and have that ultimate peace that He so richly desires for you. Amen. At this time, my wife is going to
close us out with some um, incredible thoughts and sharing. And she will pray for communion as we reflect on the incredible love and peace of Christ. Amen. God bless. Hi, I'm Nicole Padilla, and just want to say thank you for allowing me to share how the cross of Jesus has brought me peace. And uh, with the meaning of Irene, meaning joining together, you know, what has been separated, it reminds me about the biggest relationship in my life that I was separated from, and that was God. I grew up very religious. I said I loved God. I went to a Christian church. Hey, I even prayed Jesus into my heart probably a hundred times. I was just so scared to go to H-E, you know, double L, not heaven. And I lived the hypocritical, stereotypical Christian life. And I could not say no to temptation, uh, whether it was boyfriends and impurity, whether it was gossiping, lying to my parents, sneaking out of my house as a high schooler or a teenager. And something was missing because I felt that there was something wrong. I would read the Bible and not understand what I was reading or pray and not feel that God was there or that he was listening. And so... Uh, I, I felt that, okay, what was missing? There was a divide. And, and it wasn't clear to me what it was. But I knew that there was a divide in my, there was a divide in my relationship with God. And so in my freshman year of college, I started studies in this church. And the Bible made it very clear to me that there what the divide was. And it told me how to actually carry out and respond to God's plan to bring me closer to him and how to be with him forever and to live in true faithfulness and security that I would actually go to heaven. And so learning that it was my sin that was actually causing that divide, I confessed it. I wanted to get it out of my life. I learned how to repent, how to really change my mindset uh, from that from the sin that I was so just like, ah, brushing underneath the rug or, ah, it wasn't really a big deal. No, these were things that were causing the separation between me and God. And I wanted that peace with him. And so I, I repented of a lot of those sins. And also I received, but, and, and then I, that was a lot, allowed me to get baptized in 2005, which was such a joyous day because that's when I received the gift of the Holy Spirit and was able to receive true healing forgiveness that brought me close to God. And what really made that all clear to make that decision was honestly, it was the cross. Studying out the cross and seeing the suffering that he went through, the humiliation, the emotional hurt, the pain, the betrayal, how he was separated from his dad, his God, God himself for that time. But yet he would do that for me so that I could be joined with them forever. Ooh, I was just like, that's a sacrifice worth changing my life over. And yet Jesus had so much peace during that time. He was very surrendered. And so I started seeing myself. I saw that I was that sinner. If my sin I didn't even realize that my sin was that bad that he needed to go through that much suffering so that we could be joined together. And I needed that healing forgiveness. 
and I saw how my religiosity couldn't save me. It wasn't my sometimes good works couldn't save me, but it was only the peace that comes from that cross that could save me. That sacrifice, his love that could save me. That he would take that punishment for me, that's true love and that's true peace for me. And so it still amazes me today, honestly, that I live in peace with God now, that I am confident that I will live in eternity forever with him. And so now as we take communion together, when you take that bread, it represents his body. And as you take the juice, it represents his blood. So as I pray and you take communion, reflect on the peace that comes from the cross of Jesus. Good morning, God. Just as we think about the peace that comes from the cross and as we reflect on the sacrifice that he made for us and as we think about how you so loved us so much that we could be joined with you despite our hurt, despite our brokenness, despite our sin, we have peace that we could be joined with you. I pray as we take the bread that we remember the body that was broken for us And as we take the juice that we remember, the blood that was spilled for us, thank you for your peace in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and look forward to being with you next week. You can find more information about our church on our website, occhurchofchrist.com. You can also watch live services on our Facebook and YouTube pages, which are located on our website. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.